Can you imagine bringing that up on your back? That's heavy. <laughs> heavy. It's pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question. Every year during the Lantern Festival, which just passed, devotees at a temple in Yilio along the northern coast do something very different with their temple statues. What do they do with them? Leslie, dress them up. They don't dress them up. They make them into lanterns? Nope. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> so this is Yelio, which is right next to the ocean. Uh, what do they do with the statues? Give them a bath in the ocean? They do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the point is they actually jump into the ocean with the palanquins with the statues on them. So they go for a running jump, land in the ocean, and this is basically a, uh, it's sort of like cleaning up the mm. harbor is what they're saying. It's their way of blessing or kind of, I guess, making the harbor fresh. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? The Humble Bian Dang is a Taiwanese institution, simple as can be, but full of enough calories to power an entire nation. Biandong can be rich in meat or simple and vegetarian, but they always include cooked vegetables and perhaps at least some tofu, all served over a bed of steaming white rice and packed into a simple square box. These days, Biandong are served to order, and you can order them in train stations or in takeout form. But these ready-to-eat boxed meals, deeply seated in Taiwanese culture though they are, haven't always been this way. In fact, they've undergone decades of change and innovation to evolve from their foreign forebears to the distinctly Taiwanese meal we know today. This boxed meal of meat, tofu, vegetables, and rice is the subject of the latest exhibit at Taipei's Museum 207. The museum's director, An Qi, joins us today for a tour of this Taiwanese meal's history. Biandong lunches and dinners, ubiquitous as they are today, have their origins on foreign shores. The idea of serving meals in a wooden or plastic box just wouldn't have occurred to Taiwanese people in earlier times, and she says. Ethnic Chinese farmers in earlier days did have a range of foods that they would serve over rice in a similar way while they were out working in the fields. These would be carried out to them in baskets for their break times, but the food would ultimately be served on plates, never in boxes. It was only with Japan's colonization of Taiwan in 1895 that this Japanese way of eating would come here and take root. There are other terms for this Japanese import, and some argued during Japanese rule that fan, or literally box rice, should be the correct term when talking in Chinese. But since it was a foreign idea, eventually, the foreign word for it won out. The word biandang has its origins in the Japanese language word bento, used for similar Japanese meals served in their own boxes. And this term has stuck. During the 50 years of Japanese rule over Taiwan that ended with World War II, Taiwanese people gradually adopted and got used to this type of meal. Unlike lots of other elements of Japanese culture that came and went, Biandong have long outlived other traces of Japanese rule. I think the biggest difference is that Taiwan likes warm biandong. 
anyone who's eaten a real Japanese-style bento will find the Taiwanese biandang a bit unfamiliar. One key difference is in the temperature at which they're served. Japanese bento are usually served cool. In Taiwan, by contrast, our biandang are always eaten fresh and piping hot. The Taiwanese biandang are also much more oily than their Japanese counterpart, and some common Japanese dishes like pickles are not usually included. Also, Japanese bento have a much wider local variety, whereas the biandang is pretty much the same no matter where in Taiwan you eat it. In some ways, though, the Japanese original and Taiwanese offshoot have grown more like one another over the years. During Japanese rule, Auntie says, white rice was a regulated commodity in Taiwan, and it became especially scarce during World War II. That meant that the bulk of the starch in many early Taiwanese biandang could well be made up of something more readily available instead, something like fried sweet potato bits. Even after Japanese rule ended and rice took over once and for all, Taiwan was still a very poor agricultural place. There wasn't much money to go around for big helpings of food, and so rice dominated the meal. Where the Japanese bento is rich in side dishes, Anchi says that an early Taiwanese biandang might contain up to 99% just rice, with just a tiny sprinkling of meat and vegetables frugally placed on top. That's a big contrast with today's biandang, consumed by a much wealthier and health-conscious society. Today's biandang almost always feature a heaping main dish, say a pork cutlet, and this is accompanied by multiple vegetable-based sides. The rice is far from being center stage anymore, and with carb counting more common these days, its relative quantity has even shrunk in recent years. Another thing bento and biandang have come to have in common is their strong association with trains and rail travel. In Japan, this link is an old one. Some say bento were served at train stations as early as the 19th century in Japan. But that wasn't really the case here in Taiwan, where long-distance rail travel took some years to get established, and fully round-the-island service only became possible in the 1990s. Some simple-boxed meals were available in Taiwan's early railroads, but the biandang people today associate with rail travel here are a fairly new thing. Until the 1980s, Anchi says, eating on trains was rare in Taiwan. Before that, hungry people traveling by rail would take their meals at railroad canteens inside of stations. Eating ready-made box meals on trains is only the product of the last 40 or so years. This exhibit features examples of just about everything Biandang related. You can see the pre-Biandang baskets once carried out to field workers. Then there are plastic models showing the makeup of Biandang meals and how they've changed over the decades. There are also examples of some unusual containers that were once used to contain these meals, some of them much more fancy than the humble wood or metal box we usually see today. 
铁的铁路便当，其实它没有发展出一呃属于珐琅的这样子的一个材质，只是因为呢早年它就会上面跟你讲说呃呃公务使用。In particular, and she notes a set of enamel boxes that were used to serve customers in an old railway canteen. Apparently, a lot of people tried to steal these boxes, so they actually came engraved with a warning not to run off with railway property. There are also plenty of examples of different sized biendong meant for people of different professions. 例如说，陆军警总，他们的便当盒就比一般的便当盒大，差不多有两倍的大。For instance, the much larger boxes given to soldiers and farmers stand out. They obviously needed a lot more calories than the average person to do their jobs. Some of these are even about double the normal size. And of course, there are the more humble everyday boxes, from the flimsy balsa wood ones used for takeout to the reusable metal and plastic ones some people carry around. On a more local note, the exhibit also celebrates a particular style of biendang that grew up in the 207 Museum's own neighborhood, Taipei's historic Dadaocheng District. We this It's a sort of shared group biendang that has since largely disappeared from local biendang shops. Altogether, it's enough to make visitors very, very hungry. The exhibit Lunchbox runs at Taipei's Museum 207 until January 3, 2022. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire, or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one: What platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two: Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three: Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four: What are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan one 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 nine nine. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience zero one at rti dot org dot tw. That's audience and the numbers zero and one at rti dot org dot tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Do you ever get the feeling that Facebook is slowly taking over your life? It started off as just an occasional way to pass the time, but now it's shot to the top of my list of ways to waste a couple of minutes. Even in those few precious dark moments while I'm lying in bed before I get up in the morning or before I drift off to sleep at night, slowly it feels as though my eyes are beginning to picture the whole world as a Facebook screen. But what would Facebook be like if you could only hear it and not see it? I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I'm going to share with you a very different way of consuming the all-consuming media. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground.
I've been recording this TV show for the last year with a blind co-host named Chinting. And in our adventures together, I've come to see that there are ways of experiencing our world and doing everyday activities that don't rely on the use of your eyes. I've watched him navigate his world with all of his other senses, the senses of touch, smell, taste, and of course hearing. I've learned how to lead him to the places he needs to go. With one hand pressing gently on my shoulder, I watch the ground carefully for obstacles, and I also make sure that he doesn't run into parked cars or bump his head on low doorways. Sometimes I have to watch both his head and his feet at the same time, especially in older bathrooms in Taiwan, which have both a step up and a lower doorway. I know this because I've been responsible for him bumping his head on at least one occasion. Needless to say, I felt pretty bad about that. Whenever we arrive in a new hotel, I help him get his bearings, showing him where the remote is in his bed, the hairdryer, the slot where you insert your keys so you can turn on the lights, although he doesn't really need the lights. I line up the toiletries so he knows which bottle is the body wash and which is the shampoo. After all, they almost always come in the same shape bottle. Now, in some of the stranger hotels we've been in, I've also had to point out all sorts of obstacles that can be like a minefield for blind people. Rock formations jutting out of the bathroom floor, which are perfect for stubbing toes, and shelves directly over the toilet, which are good targets when you want to bump your head. At times in our interactions together, we've discovered that it's useful for him to carry his white cane, even if I'm there to lead him around. That's because people almost never realize he's blind, unless we mention it. That's because he was sighted as a child, albeit with very poor vision. He does many things that a sighted person would do because he's seen things before. For example, whenever I ask him to take a picture with a camera, he'll hold the camera up to his eyes, even though he could really hold it however he wanted to. He doesn't have to look through it. He's also an athlete, which means he has good balance. He runs marathons, dances modern dance, and really, when it comes to physical things, he's almost always a faster learner than I am, and that can lead to some strange conversations, like people walking up to him and asking him to look at things. During our time together, there's one sound which stands out more than any of the others, and perhaps it's a sound that I'll always associate with him. No, it's not the sound of his white cane, because he pretty much only uses that when he's by himself. No, it's the sound of his cell phone. Now, Xintin has an iPhone, and he has it set to be exclusively voice-powered. He swipes the screen differently than I swipe mine in order to navigate through websites and, of course, through Facebook. After all, he can't see the buttons. He has to hear the phone read the buttons to him. And that constant, fast-paced, staccato voice of Siri in Chinese has become the soundtrack to much of the downtime that we spend together. You can almost picture us gazing at our phones. Me, I'm actually looking at my phone and jabbing and swiping away with my fingers. And he, well, he's got his phone close to his face as well. And he's also on Facebook, but he's listening to this. Zan, zan, zan. Whenever you hear the word zan, that means like, like, like. Of course, on Facebook, you have to like a lot of things. So under each photo, he can tell how many people have liked the photo and who has posted what. And then he replies, using his voice to read out the words. Now, there's one thing that he can't see, and that's the pictures. But often, we'll translate those for him, describing what's going on and who's doing what inside the photo. 
That can sometimes get lost in translation, but more often than not, all he needs is the gist of what's going on in order to participate in the conversation. With the New to the Ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan. Yes, today we are going to really figure out, you know, what are the substitute for rice. Last week we mentioned that rice is a main staple for us, right? Yes. Can you really find any substitute for rice? Let's be honest. How often do you eat white rice? Well, for me, I haven't been really eating a lot of rice because ever since I was like young. I think you know. I only eat maybe just a little bit of rice. Is it? Why is that? Is it because you're you're trying to like、uh, keep your figure? No, it's no. just that for me, I think rice. Doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> I like to eat my, you know, veggies. I like to eat my flavored meat, you know, and other dishes. And、mm. if I eat a lot of rice, you know, I can't taste the other dishes. How about your family members? My family members, I think mainly the boys, the men. Okay,、mm. I think my husband he would eat rice. Uh huh. But nowadays, I think he's cutting down a little bit too. And for him, it's a health thing, or yes, it's more of health and weight. I guess,、mm. but you know, for my son, he loves rice. Okay,、mm. my daughter, she she's kind of like me. I was gonna say she's very similar to you. Yeah, she eats a little bit of rice, but I remember, like you know, when kids are younger, they can't eat plain rice only <laughs> and nothing else, like no butter, sugar, salt, no, nothing. It's like you know, for, soy sauce for each meal. They just probably just eat rice. Okay, well, you know, kids need it, right?、Uh-huh. I mean, there are a lot of good reasons to eat rice.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you feel full. It gives you the energy. It's got carbs. Um, so it has carbs. Yes. So we need that. Well, that's an excellent question. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to be talking about carbs today. We're going to talk、right. about whether or not we need to have white rice、uh-huh. and whether or not there's、uh, any alternative to the original. And in fact, we are going to introduce an alternative made from cauliflower. I think that would be fabulous because I love cauliflower. You do, I do. Oh, good. Ever since I've been a little child, I love cauliflower. Oh, well, then this is perfect for you, right? So we're going to take that cauliflower and we're going to make it look like rice. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to be sampling it with a stir fry dish,、mm. and we're going to be comparing it to how it tastes compared to eating it with white rice. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's check out what's on our menu today. Okay. In our first course, we're going to compare the nutrition value of rice to cauliflower. Plus, is that really a flower? A cauliflower. A cauliflower. <laughs> In our second course, I'm going to head into the Feast Meets West test kitchen to whip up some low carb 
alternative to rice. Ooh, and in our third and final course, we will sample cauliflower rice to see how it works with Taiwanese stir fry. But first up today, we have a song for you.、Mm-hmm. And this song is called. Taiwan Lang, I Jia Taiwan B. Ooh, well, of course, you know, rice is the main staple in Taiwan. And I guess, you know, we grow plenty of rice, right? Yes, you know, Francis is in the studio laughing at my Taiwanese.、Uh, that actually is Taiwanese people love to eat Taiwanese rice. Yeah. Am I saying it right? She's, I, she nods. Well, you know, for me, I wouldn't know, right? <laughs> well, neither one of us speaks much Taiwanese, but、okay. uh, that was our best effort. And this is by.、Uh, Biang biang afeng, yes. Biang biang afeng, yes. Biang biang afeng. I think that's correct. <laughs> Francis is having a closer look、yes. at our song, and she says yes. Okay. okay. So we'll have a little listen to that, and when we come back in our first course, a, a little comparison between cauliflower rice and white rice. Chima ABK, chicken is the most popular. 种田的老百姓为怎这可怜呐、啊？一车的水果是赚有偌多哦？原来种水果的拢了解几苦地呀！台湾人爱吃台湾米，安怎样超市拢是进口米？台湾人爱吃台湾的果子，咱的水果是上界水哦。是少不歹势哦，要读册刷无钱去交学费。咱的政府说要望做媒，我无钱通食饭送就是春梅呀。台湾人爱食台湾米，安怎有超市拢是进口米？台湾人爱食台湾的果子，咱的水果是上界水哦。养奴们看。农民真可怜呐、啊，一变身做炸弹客，想要替因讲话。十七颗炸弹，无想到半鬼下哦，咱的政府小变甲足歹势哦。台湾人爱食台湾米，安怎有超市拢是进口米？台湾人爱食台湾的果子，咱的水果是上界水哦。阿伯，咱的囡仔是拢食无台湾米，政府你敢有看到？咱可怜的老百姓，拢徛伫田边，流目屎，吐大开。
first course. Okay, cauliflower versus plain rice. So, <laughs> what is the comparison? I guess there are some nutrition value in rice, right? Oh, absolutely. Like B uh, two. Uh, let's see, white rice. Uh, well. Uh, well, <laughs> mm, uh. White rice is a refined grain, and that okay. means that it's lost some key ingredients during uh, processing. Uh, one of those ingredients is fiber. Oh. By comparison, let's just tell you about brown rice. So brown rice is actually a great alternative to white rice. I love brown rice. You know, ever since I was little, I would like brown rice over white rice. Brown rice loves you. Yes, and I like the American rice. Oh. The, the wild rice. No. You don't like it? Not a fan. You mean Uncle Ben? Yeah, I love Uncle Ben. <laughs> Uncle Ben is my friend. We should mention that uh, the big characteristic of Uncle Ben's rice is that mm -hmm. all the grains separate right. from one from e each other. And this right. is supposed to be a selling point. Um, yeah. <laughs> In Taiwan, it's like, if your rice separates from each other, you have a problem. But I like it. <laughs> but, you know, the nutrition value of Uncle Ben is way more than, you know, white rice, right? This is true. I have a, I have a little quiz for you. Mm -hmm. Which one has more calories, white rice or brown rice? I would say white rice. You are wrong. Really? <laughs> yes. The brown rice? Brown rice has slightly more calories, but I have to say, calories aren't necessarily a bad thing. Right. So, brown rice actually has three parts, the bran, the germ, the endosperm, mm -hmm. and nothing is removed during milling, mm -hmm. but it also has more protein, more fiber, it can also help lower your cholesterol, control your blood sugar, promote good gut bacteria, uh, one other problem, though, is that it has, uh, there's oil in the brand, so you mm -hmm. can't actually keep it as long. White rice Ew. will la last a lot longer. So the shelf life of brown rice would be about half a year, six months. That's right. White rice, if you put it in like a, the fridge, you can probably keep it for longer. Oh. You just have to be careful of the little bugs. Right, but in the fridge, I think it's okay, right? Yeah, it should be, uh -huh. should be easier. But outside the fridge, yeah, they have the little bugs, but Me they're protein. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell my kids. It's protein. Yeah, they're like, Mom, is this brown rice? And you're like, no, it's white rice with protein. Right. Protein in there, okay? So don't worry about it. So a little uh, comment on carbs, because uh -huh. we're talking about carbs today. Carbs are basically the raw materials that power your body. Right. Okay? So you need them to make sugar for energy. Right. And there are two kinds. What are the two kinds, Ellen Chu? Simple carbs and complex carbs. So the simple carbs are like quick-burning fuels. They break down fast into sugar in your system. So you want to eat less of the simple, simple carbs. carbs. Okay. The complex carbs are usually the better choice of the two. It takes your body longer to break them down. So, you know, the thing is that a lot of people don't eat rice, which is not okay because you still need some carbs. Okay? Yes, absolutely. So the question is... Is, is what's the difference in carbs for white rice and cauliflower? Here we go. Okay. A cup of white rice contains nine times the carbs as cauliflower. Mm -hmm. So basically, five grams of carbs for cauliflower for a cup of, of that, and then 45 grams of carbs 
for white rice. Right. And the other thing is cauliflower has really high value of fiber. Mm. So it's better for your overall health. And cauliflower is an antioxidant, which protects your cells from harmful free radicals and inflammation. Also, vitamin C. Half a cup of cooked cauliflower contains only 30 calories, but 90% of your daily value of vitamin C. Mm, so, interesting. What are some creative uses of cauliflower? Of course, we're going to make rice today, mm-hmm. but what else can we make? I guess pizza crust? Yes. Okay. Nuts, man. <laughs> And cauliflower hummus. Ooh. And also cauliflower mash. Oh, so instead of mashed potatoes, you can cook down those cauliflowers. Yes. And cauliflower mac and cheese. Ooh. Ooh that sounds good. That sounds right up your alley, Alan Chu. Yeah. I think, you know, that would be my favorite. So today, of course, we're going to be making the cauliflower rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we come back in just a moment in our... Second course, I'm going to bring you into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen to show you how it's done. I would have a question, you know. So, Master Chef Andrew, yes, would it be possible to use cauliflower to make bread? Ooh, I don't know. Because you can make crust. I bet you could put it in bread for sure. Right? Yeah. So, it's maybe... probably easier to make crackers from cauliflower. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. I'm gonna look. Mm. I'm gonna look into that and let you know a little bit later on our show. Okay. How's that? Okay. Very good. So here is a song called "吃饭 皇上." Okay. So which means what? That means that eating. Then you're the emperor of eating. Wait, there's another phrase. "吃饭 皇帝大." So you know the the most important thing in life. You know is eating because when you're eating, you're the emperor. Oh, I like that. This song is by Ata. <laughs> When okay. we come back in a moment, we're going to go into the Feces West Test Kitchen. Okay.
上我的分解茶。寡人不说大话，麻辣火锅加到醉辣，龙心大悦。火锅分解茶搭配降火气，不怕油，所以喝分解。饭还吃不够，饮料拿去充够，赶快吹落吹落，慢啰嗦，跟上正的节奏。早上七点钟，我来帮你 morning c a l 还想吃个够，就请你跟我走。Second course. All right, we're back in the Feasting West Test Kitchen, and I'm going to make some cauliflower rice. That is rice made out of cauliflower. I have a nice head here,、uh, which I've already rinsed off and chopped into small florets. If we were going to use a box grater, you'd use the medium hold side. Uh, and you'd probably just use、uh, big chunks of cauliflower, but because I'm using a food processor today, I've chopped it up into smaller florets.、Uh, so I've got my、uh, food processor on, and I'm just、uh, tossing it in there. And you'll definitely want to make sure that you use the grater attachment on your food processor, not the slicer. All right, so now I have a big bowl full of、uh, little white grained cauliflower.、Uh, so the question is, how do we cook it?、Uh, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can steam it. I'm just、uh, actually going to fry mine up in a pan. So I'm just turning on my stove, and I've got a nice big pan, a flat bottom pan, sitting on top of the burner. I'm going to use medium heat. I'm just adding a little bit of oil to the pan,、uh, just enough to、uh, make sure the cauliflower rice doesn't stick. So now that I've got all of my、uh, cauliflower rice in the pan, I'm just going to season it a little bit first. So I'm adding a little bit of、uh, ground sea salt,、uh, and I'm going to use a little bit of、uh, curry powder to give it a nice、uh, flavor and a beautiful color. So I'm just stirring that in to incorporate, and、uh, then super easy. I'm just putting the lid. Right back on the pan, and I'm going to let it steam itself for about three to four minutes.、Uh, and of course, all that cauliflower that has、uh, a lot of water inside of it.、Uh, one thing you can do is you can actually、uh, dry off some of the water if you think it's too much, or if you plan on steaming it. But、uh, I just tossed it straight in the pan because I'm lazy like that. Okay. So、uh, that is our cauliflower rice. Super simple. Super easy. Uh, when we come back in the third course in today's Feast News West, I'm going to serve it up、uh, to Alan Chu along with a stir-fried Taiwanese dish. We're going to compare how it tastes、uh, with the taste of just plain white rice. But for now, a song to move things forward, and this is called "Chi Fan Lo." Let's eat, and it's by Xie Xinzhi or Kim Xie. So, how's this rice going to taste? Is it going to be terrible or is it going to be delicious? Your new favorite thing. We'll find out in just a moment when the feast continues. Pang pang de tang jingling, 住在你的米饭里，煮
在我的面包里，让你吃饱吃饱。壮壮的蛋白精灵，住在鸡鸭鱼肉里，住在豆腐鸡蛋里，让你强壮强壮。吃蒜仁，吃蒜仁，拿起餐具太重了。香香的奶油里，住在脆脆的坚果里，给你能量能量。结实的矿物精灵，住在彩色的蔬菜里，住在甜甜的水果里，让你成长成长。吃饭了，吃饭了，吃饭了，吃饭了，拿起餐具开动了。You're listening to Feast Meets West. Third course. Is it the white rice or is it the cauliflower? So basically, I have、uh, made a little plate for Ellen Chu. Half is white rice, half is cauliflower rice, and in the middle we have a little、uh, stir-fried beef dish with onions and tomato. I just had a taste of the cauliflower.、Mm. It's more savory、mm-hmm. than the white rice. More savory because it's actually got salt in it. Oh, okay.、Mm. Because white rice usually. It doesn't taste anything, but when you chew enough, it becomes sweet.、Mm, right? That's true. White rice、mm. does have a little bit of sweetness around the edges because of the carbs. And cauliflower has a texture of flakiness. Mm-hmm. A little bit flakier, yeah. Right. It's smaller than rice. Mm-hmm. So the little bits of cauliflower is smaller.、Mm. So I added a little bit of curry, a little bit of turmeric, and a little、yes. bit of salt to this. It. No wonder I had like curry taste to it. I'm、mm. like. Why does the cauliflower has that <laughs> that curry flavor?、Mm, mm. I did、uh, add a little bit of something, something to、mm. it. So, which one do you think goes with the stir fry? Do you think they both go well? Do you think、uh, one goes better than the other? Let me try again. Hmm. Hmm. I won't be offended if you say、uh, the white rice tastes better. No, for me, actually, I like the cauliflower. Hmm. Me too, but that's you know that's just me. <laughs> I, I think for most people they still like the rice,、mm. right?、Mm-hmm. But for me, I think the cauliflower because you added the curry,、mm-hmm. it's more flavorous,、mm. right? I feel like this the white rice could go with anything, right? right. It's like、mm-hmm. uh, what we say the baita, right?、Mm-hmm. It goes with anything.、Mm-hmm. The curry one maybe doesn't go with everything.、Mm-hmm. Can、But with the beef today, 
I think it works. It works. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you think of anything that this curried uh, cauliflower rice would not go with? Hmm. It might not work with like you know the uh, mapo tofu. Okay. Yep. Yep. So mapo tofu, mm-hmm. uh, which has strong kind of pork and kind of yeah mm-hmm. chili peppers, spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if the tofu and the cauliflower would go well because it already has has this you know strong sauce flavor. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't taste the curry in it. That's right. It, you overtake the curry. And also, because it has a lot of the sauce, mm-hmm. it needs to be soaked up. Mm. So when you have flaky things being soaked up, mm-hmm. I think it just kind of become chunks. Chunks. That's right. That might be too saucy and mm-hmm. too chunky. But I think it would go well with Thai food. Oh, uh, yeah. Anything with curry, uh, coconut in it would mm-hmm. be nice. Some Southeast Asian flavors would go well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Yeah. That is a... Uh, low-carb alternative to white rice uh, that you can try with uh, a variety of different kinds of stir-fries. But this thing, it would probably go with, like, you know, fried pork chop. Ooh, that Mm. would be good. Would your kids eat it? Would Zach eat it? I think if I just put it on the side and said it was a side dish, instead Mm. of, like, saying that this is a substitute of rice, they would eat it. Would they eat it with rice? But yes, they would probably eat it with rice. This is the thing, because they feel that, you know, rice is something that they need to be satisfying with. Do you know, one time I went to Taidong, uh, to an indigenous village, and I made uh, spaghetti. Uh-huh. And uh, my uh, godfather thought it was very xia fan. Oh. He thought it was very good with white rice. So he actually served the spaghetti on top of rice. Oh, but that's cute, though. Super cute. Right? And he added some olin, some uh, fish... Uh, you know what? Yeah. Actually, spaghetti probably goes with this, too. <laughs> probably, actually. You could probably serve spaghetti on top of cauliflower rice. Right, or cauliflower <laughs> rice over spaghetti. Oh, my goodness. So many options. Yeah. It's all about breaking down those walls, that uh, right. thinking outside of the box, but outside of the food who would have box. known? Who would have known, like, using cauliflower to substitute this thing? Who would have known? Right? Who would have known? Even our ancestor didn't know. Even our ancestors didn't know, because we definitely right. wouldn't have had cauliflower in Taiwan. Right. Yeah, but we do now. Okay. So, if you uh, enjoyed today's show, please do write us and let us know. Right. Have you tried the cauliflower rice? You know, I think, you know, this is going viral around the world. So, you know, maybe a lot of places, a lot of people from different cultures are eating this. Are we allowed to say going viral in the time of coronavirus? Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's uh, it's been spreading. I'm trying to spread. Wow, spreading! Oh, oh. it's been uh, yeah, it's been uh, infecting uh, people. I mean, it's I- <laughs> <laughs> what kind of word can we use? It has become very trendy. It's oh, super, trendy! Super hot. Okay, influential. Yeah, influenza. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, we we end this time period. You know, we have to be very careful with word choices, right? Yes, that's right. Sorry. All right, so addresses. 
Okay, our addresses is P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And today, one final song. We are going to leave you with uh, a song called Chao Fan. Ooh, Fried Rice. Okay, and it's brought to you by Hu En Ray. And actually, you can make cauliflower fried rice. Oh. Or you could use this cauliflower rice and make a stir fry, fried rice. Really? Have you yeah, tried it yet? I haven't. I'm going to do that next. Okay. <laughs> or you could wrap it into tan bao fan. Ooh, so you put an egg over the top of it, like mm-hmm. a little omelet. Omelet rice, mm, right? I'm going to try that. Mm, okay. All right, Feast Minister, I'm Randy Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> 
Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Have a question or comment about one of our programs at RTI? Send us a letter at PO Box One Two Three One Nine Nine Taipei Taiwan. Or email us at English at rti.org.tw. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from zero three hundred to zero four hundred UTC on one five three two zero kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia, from zero three hundred to zero four hundred UTC on one five three two zero kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti dot org dot tw. Again, that's rti at rti dot org dot tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb dot me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb dot me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.